be looking at the story of a man named Peter. All right. I know that Peter is everybody's favorite, right? When you think about a disciple, he's the first one that comes to mind. Peter's kind of larger than life. And when he walks in the room, everybody knows it because you never know what Peter is going to say or do next. Right? Everybody's just waiting to see what he's going to say when he opens his mouth. In fact, one pastor said it this way, that sometimes he only opened his mouth to change feet. Peter said a whole lot of dumb stuff, and he was really entertaining. He's one of those guys that you really want to hang out with, but you're also kind of embarrassed by him some of the time. You know what I'm talking about? You have one of those friends? That's Peter. I love being around this guy, but I just never know what he's going to say. And I know that we dump on Peter a lot, but he also said some pretty profound things. Do you know that? In fact, when he met Jesus, uh, all the way back in Luke chapter 5, uh, he, he, he said, Lord, like, depart from me. I am, I'm a sinful man. And, and then he left everything and he followed him. And then there was this moment in John chapter 6 when, when, when these crowds had been following Jesus and, and they wanted to make him king. Uh, but then Jesus said some hard things and so everybody started walking away. They didn't want to follow him anymore. And Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, are you, you guys are you going to go too? That's when Peter stepped up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I mean, he got it. And then again in Mark chapter 8, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter's the one that stepped forward, and he said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Love that. I love that he's willing to just step up, and he's bold, and he's tenacious. In fact, I think about when, when Jesus was walking on the water, and, and Peter heard that, and he saw him, and, and, and Jesus called to him, so he jumps out of the water. He starts walking on the water. I'm sure he didn't get very far, but at least he's out there, right? And at the same time, Peter could elicit some of Jesus' highest praise and sternest rebukes. He got some big wins in the W column, but he also took some big L's. He's not one of those like stained glass saints that's just perfect and he never, because Peter messes up just like us, uh, we can easily relate to him. And so this week we're going to look at him before the cross and next week we're going to see his story after the resurrection. I want you to be able to see there's a massive difference. His life is changed because of the story worth telling. The story of Jesus Christ's death on the cross for our sin and His resurrection to conquer death. Here we are in Luke chapter 22. This is uh, Peter at his worst. I'm going to be honest. It's, it's bad. Okay? It's shameful. But when you're willing to tell a story of when you personally hit rock bottom. The contrast of what God has now done in your life shines a spotlight on the glory of Christ. But some of you don't really want to tell your story right now because you're in the middle of a chapter that you're not really proud of. You've been slipping a little bit. Maybe there's a time in your life you, you remember that you felt a whole lot closer to God, but, but, but now lately it just kind of feels like you're sliding further down. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it was one big sin and you're like super ashamed of it. You feel guilty about that. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it's just kind of your relationship with God has slowly been getting cold and kind of distant. 
want to tell you something this morning. If you're taking notes, note this. Your sin can ruin you. Did you know that? But because of the cross, you can be forgiven. Luke chapter 22, verse 54, says, Then they seized Jesus, led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. Peter was following at a distance. When they'd kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, Still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me. I promise you I won't be here all morning, but I want to give you five realities of your sin. Here's one. Your sin is deceptive. Your sin is deceptive. We never think we are as susceptible to sin as we really are. I mean, Peter, honestly, he didn't think that this was going to happen. That Jesus had predicted it just a, a few verses before. He told Peter that this was going to happen. As soon as Jesus said that, Peter's like, no way. God, it's not, it's, it's not going to happen. In fact, he, he says, verse 33, he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I mean, he's ready to go to battle. That, that, that sounds honorable. And, and Peter is, is a really passionate guy. And I am confident that he was super sincere in this moment. He thought this was going to, he wanted to do this. He thought that he could just psych himself up like a, like a bunch of football players that are, that are pumping themselves up before the game, kind of beating their helmets and, and pounding their chest about ready to run through the tunnel. That's what he's like. Nah, Jesus, I, we, we got this. I'm behind you. Let, let, let's do it. Let's go. I can do this. I won't fall. But, but the mission of Jesus was not going to be won by physical force. And so Peter, he thought that the temptation was going to come at him kind of like a linebacker, and all he had to do was get a little bit of a, a running start, and he could just pound his way through. But see, here's the problem. Sin had already slipped past his defenses and right into his heart. Because Peter's downfall started with his overconfidence in his own ability to overcome temptation and sin. I wonder if that's happening to you. How many times have you ever seen someone, someone else fall, someone else mess up? And I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't say it out loud. Of course we wouldn't say it out loud. But you've been thinking in your head. You're like, well, I would never do that. Or how many times when you have messed up, when you have failed, have you prayed something like this? God, I am never 
doing this again. I'm throwing my stick in the fire and putting a stake in the ground. This is it. I'm never going to do this. From now on, I will never give in to this again. And in that moment, you mean it and you want it to be true. You're praying with urgency. You're, you're, you're mustering up every ounce of strength that you have. And you want it to be super sincere. But do you realize how dangerous it is for you to believe that you can handle it on your own? That it's just a matter of mustering up your strength and resolve that, that it's not going to happen to you. That you're not going to give in to sin. See, sin will deceive you. And I get it in like moments of clarity after the temptation is gone and we're able to see it a little bit. It, it seems really small to us. And so that temptation in and of itself just helps us. It, it makes us think that we can trust our own resolve and our own determination to not let it happen again. But believers in Jesus who are really becoming more like Him and who are experiencing victory over sin have a growing distrust in their own ability and a greater confidence and dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through them. Don't, don't trust yourself. See, Peter... He didn't ask for help. He didn't even pray. Jesus actually told him to pray when they were out in the garden. He said, you, you should be doing this, but he didn't think he needed it. He think you could handle it himself. He thought, he, he thought that he was strong enough. He could do it. And so in verse 54, when, when Jesus is arrested, it says that Peter was following just, just like he had this whole time, just like he had all the way back in chapter 5 when he left this fishing nets. He left his career. He left everything to follow Jesus. And here he is. Jesus is getting arrested and he's following again. But this time the text says that he was following at a distance. And then comes the moment of truth. They're sitting around this campfire. They don't know what's going to happen. And the text says that there was a, a servant girl. And she's staring. I don't know if this ever happened to you when you know, like you you're like looking at somebody, you're trying to place them. Like, I know, I've seen your face before somewhere. It's, it, just give me a minute, it's coming. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the light from the fire danced on his face, and she recognized him, she called him out. And in that moment, big bad Peter was bested by a girl. It kind of caught him off guard. I mean, it, like, it was almost like a, like, like a punch to the gut, and just knocked the wind out of him, and he freaked. Earlier, Jesus had actually said this in, in Matthew chapter 10. He had told Peter and them, he said, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. So, so this is his chance. This is his big opportunity to step up and to do the right thing and to acknowledge Jesus before men, even if it's going to cost him. But instead, he gives in to fear and he acts like a little coward and he lies. Of a warning for you too, me as well. You do not have the power in yourself to overcome sin. Which leads us to the second reality. Note this your sin is ensnaring you. He says, Woman, I do not know him. Now, and we could say that he got startled. 
Uh, they, you know, he just got kind of caught off guard. He wasn't expecting that in that moment. And so it just kind of came out. But what came out was not love for Christ, but love for self. You see, because he, he lies, because he's afraid of the consequence. I mean, he's surrounded by the enemies. He doesn't know what they're going to do to Jesus. He's like, I don't know what they're going to do to me if they find out that I'm with him. And so in that moment, he, he's, he's counting the cost and he determines that what is best is for him to save his own skin. Kind of a far cry from the chest-thumping speech he just gave a few hours earlier, right? And then he does it again. And again, three times, he denies and he lies. Your sin is ensnaring you. And, and once you give in, it's like a slippery slope. And, and it can easily snowball pretty quickly. You felt that? And, and this is kind of a warning for us. We need to really be careful how, how quickly one sin can lead to another. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a mess because I gave into that and then I had to do this and, 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 and now I'm responding this way. And honestly, when we find ourselves in a mess of our own sin, it's actually helpful for us to be able to uh, kind of look back and acknowledge all the points where you fa failed to follow God's Word because then you can confess and repent of specific sins. And so whether we, whether we find ourselves in a season of, of rebellion or, or a state of, of depression or, or trapped in private sin or our marriage is falling apart or we're crushed under financial debt or uh, whatever we find ourselves in, it's been a series of sinful choices that have led us to this point. And I know that, that, that I can be the victim of circumstances and events that are outside of my control. I get that. There are things that happen that, 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 that wasn't my fault. And yet, even my sinful responses to those events outside of my control have not only contributed, but they're compounding the problem. It just snowballs, and I get trapped in this. And Peter is spiraling out of control in this moment. First, he had his guard down because his pride was up. And then he gives in to fear, which led him to lie. And then he had to keep up the story and got trapped in the lie. So he had to lie some more. He lies about knowing Jesus. And then he lies about even being his disciple. And now he's got a bigger problem. Because I read to you what Jesus had said in Matthew 10. I want you to see it again. He said, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But... Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's a pretty steep, scary consequence, isn't it? I mean, Peter is in trouble. Because if you reject Christ, you cannot be saved. Your sin can ruin you. Our sin, it, it deceives and it ensnares us. And in moments of temptation, somehow we foolishly think that, that sin is the better choice. We think, just this one. Or I won't let it get that far. Or, or God will understand because like, I can't help how I feel right now. Or, or, I had to do it. It really wasn't my fault. Listen, those are lies. 
Sin is never the better option. And some of you have felt that. Some of you right now are ensnared. You're trapped in this sin. Some of you are about ready to drive over the edge of the cliff and you don't even realize how serious your sin is. I want to tell you this. Note this. Your sin will be exposed. Your sin will be exposed. Verse 60, Jesus, or Peter denies knowing Jesus. He lies. He thinks that he can escape. He thinks that he can avoid trouble. And I love how Luke just writes this in the story. He says, immediately, while he was still speaking, like you're not getting away with it here, the rooster crowed. Now, uh, this is the only time, this is the only story where the rooster ever appears in the Bible. And, and, And when you think about a rooster, I don't know about you, but when you're thinking about a rooster, normally we kind of associate that with a farm, right? You think about a farm in the morning, and you think about a sunrise coming up over the farm, and you can smell the bacon, and you can smell the coffee being made. It's time to get a... How many, how many uh, professing morning people do we have in here? Any of you that would admit to that? Okay, we're going to pray for you. And uh, so, so for you, maybe the rooster is kind of a pleasant sound. It's like, it's time to get up, like ready to get at it. But for the rest of humanity, this is an awful sound, okay? But nobody ever hated this sound more than Peter. I mean, it might have been like uh, a cookie jar alarm. As soon as he lifted the lid, it starts going off, and he knew that he was caught in the act. What's worse is verse 61 says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So apparently they were just leading Jesus away at that exact moment. When the rooster crowed, Jesus turned. And man, that must have felt like Jesus' eyes were just boring a hole through his soul. Completely exposed. And of course his mind just kind of flashed back to what Jesus had said. You ever been caught? Kind of a terrible feeling. You know that you've been living in sin. Suddenly realize that somebody saw the whole thing. But you know this, right? That's a reality of your sin. That God sees. He knows. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. There's no place that you can go. Like, I can hide. You, won't see. you can't avoid him. He's going to see. And so maybe you think that you can get away with it because nothing's happened so far. It seems like you're kind of getting away with it. But Romans 14 says that we will each of us give an account of himself to God. We are going to be held accountable. So listen, I know that that, that sin can give you kind of a sense of, of temporary relief. It can. And it can even give you momentary pleasure. It can feel good in the moment. But you have to know this principle from Numbers chapter 32. Be sure your sin will find you. We don't get to enjoy sin without guilt. Your sin will be exposed. Which means this. 
your sin is devastating. That moment where Jesus' eyes locked onto Peter, that just had to wreck him. It says that he went out and wept bitterly. Your sin always has consequences. You may not think that your sin is a big deal. I realize that a lot of us, if we're thinking about where I'm at, we, we start to look around and I start to compare myself to somebody else. I'm like, well, it's not that bad. You know, like It's not that big of a deal. Uh, look, look at what they do. But James 1.15 says that desire, when it is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. All sin is a big deal. I know that your sin might be more respectable. In fact, it might even be acceptable around here, but it's not acceptable to God. Man, my heart just hurts for myself and for our church that, that maybe there are somebody even right now that you're about ready to make a choice. And you know exactly what God says. You, you know what it says you should do, but you think your situation is the exception to the rule. And, and somehow you think that doing God's way, it, it doesn't look best. It looks, it looks harder and it looks more painful and, and it doesn't look like it's going to make you happy. And so you've just decided you're going to make this sinful choice because it just makes more sense to you. It seems like it's going to protect you. It seems like it's going to make, make you feel safe, make you happy. It's going to be easier. And Honestly, if I feel bad about it later, I'll just ask God to forgive me and, and, and he will. So I know that it just feels right. But can I just give you a warning, warning? Sin comes naturally to us. And so obviously, in the heat of the moment, it's going to feel right. And think about that. Peter is in, he, he's thinking, he's surrounded by the enemies, and he doesn't know what they're going to do to Jesus. He doesn't know what they're going to do to him. And so in that moment, it, it just makes total sense to him to try to stay out of trouble. And so he lies, he denies Jesus, thinking that that's going to keep him safe. But sin never delivers as promised. Sin never fixes anything. Sin is never the better option. And instead of making us happy, it leaves us broken and in pain and embarrassed and addicted and ashamed and empty. And it rips relationships apart and the shrapnel destroys the people closest to us and it eliminates trust and it ruins our reputation and it leaves us feeling stupid. Like, why did I ever think that this was going to be okay? Why did I give in to this lie that this would somehow make me happy? You felt that? I don't know who it was that said it, but I felt this. That your sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. For the wages of sin is death. It's not worth it, is it? Oh, somebody needs some good news this morning. Whether I like to admit it or not, I mean, every single one of us is right in the middle of this to some degree or another. So listen, listen. Church, your sin can be forgiven. That moment when Peter saw Jesus turn to look at him, I mean, he was filled with shame. 
I mean, he was totally embarrassed and he remembered what Jesus had said to him, that he was going to deny him three times. But that's not all that Jesus had said to him. And so maybe in that moment when the rooster crowed, Jesus turned, he wanted to look into the eyes of Peter because he wanted Peter to remember exactly what he had said. I want to show it to you. Look back at verse 31. Same chapter, just a few verses before. This is when Jesus predicted that Peter was going to deny him. Verse 31, here's what he said. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. You are going under spiritual attack. But then he said, but, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Like, I know what you're going through. I know you can't handle it on your own. So you're not alone. I am praying for you. Jesus cares for him. Do you know that the same is true for you? That, that, that he understands. He knows what you are going through. He understands the temptation you're facing. Even Hebrews chapter 4 says that he is tempted as we are, yet without sin. And Romans 8 says he is interceding for us, even right now. Do you know that? He gets it. And right now he is inter- interceding. He is praying for you because he cares. Jesus says, for you that your faith may not fail. Listen, listen. When you have turned again. Jesus knew that Peter was going to repent. I mean, yes, he predicted that he he was going to deny him, but he also assured them that this would not be all that there was to Peter's story. As awful as it got, this is not how it was going to end. Peter would not ultimately reject Christ. Instead, he would turn to him in faith. So he says, when you have Turned again. Strengthen your brothers. Peter, you're going to have a ministry. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your story to impact and lead the church. You say, how in the world? And how, how is this possible? Maybe you're, maybe you're feeling that right now. You feel that shame and that guilt and that embarrassment. You know you're not where you need to be. How could God change my story? Well, when, when the rooster crowed and he turned to look at Peter, they were leading Jesus away. Where were they leading him? They were leading him to the cross. But he led them. I know that they were like physically forcing him and, and really there was no legal justification. There was no crime that he had committed. He was innocent. It was unfair. It was unjust. It was, he, he didn't do anything to do, deserve it. But, but Jesus submitted to that humiliation. Jesus submitted to that torture. He submitted to murder. Jesus went willingly to the cross to pay for the sin of Peter so that Peter's sin could be forgiven. Even that shameful sin of denial. The same is true for us. You and I come to God with blood on our hands. It was your sin. It was my sin because of our sin. That God's Son, Jesus, hung there bleeding on the cross. He took our sin. He took our our place so that you and I could be forgiven instead of condemned. So that He could give us eternal life instead of death. 
because of the cross that your story can be changed today. Do you know how much He loves you? The question is, will you believe? Will you believe in Jesus? I know your sin is great. I get it. But His grace is greater. Will you believe Him? everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. I just wonder if you've already done that. Have you done that? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? I just want to encourage you that if you already have done that, then, then here's the hope. Here's the hope. You're forgiven. It's done. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we've read already this morning, Romans 8 tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. You're not condemned. You are forgiven. It's done. Maybe maybe there's somebody here this morning that you would say, I don't, I've never done that before. I've never repented of my sin. I've never asked God to save me because Jesus died for me. Can I tell you, you can do that right now. You can believe and trust Him right now. So everybody's heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and nobody's nobody's looking around. You can can pray right now in this moment. If that's you, you say, I want to do that. I want to trust Jesus. I want to know that I have eternal life instead of death. Then I would invite you just to pray to God. Let's tell Him. There's no special words. Tell Him the truth. Pray to Him. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm guilty. I know I don't deserve it. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Please save me now. He will. He will. You know, everybody's eyes are still closed. We're not looking around. But if you just did that, if you're saying today, I want to know that, I want to be saved, I, I want to believe. No one else is looking around. But if that's you for the first time, I would just ask you to do something for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to look up at me because I want to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. If you say this is the first time I want to trust Jesus for salvation, would you just look up at me so I can pray for you? Say, God, I want to do this. I want to be right before you. asking that you would get the glory, that we would be reminded of your grace that we don't deserve. Thank you that you can forgive us. Thank you that our story can be changed because of the cross. 
Lord, we celebrate you today and the work that you are doing in the lives of your people. And we give you all the glory because you deserve it. In Jesus' name.